This is the Heartland Daily Podcast. Hey listeners of the Heartland Daily Podcast. For today's episode, we have Dan Pilla, Policy Advisor for the Heartland Institute, on Point of View Radio with guest host Dr. Merrill Matthews discussing tax policy during the coronavirus and the start of the Joe Biden era. Check it out. And uh, for this hour, we are going to turn to taxes. Uh, April 15th about, I think, probably seven weeks away, and so people are beginning to rep- uh, prepare their taxes if they haven't already filed them. Uh, but last year was such a strange year for so many people. We wanted to go to Dan Pilla. The, uh, uh, Dan has been a, a tax expert and working in this area for, I think, three decades or so. Uh, Point of View has had him going on the show going back to the 1980s. I believe. Uh, Dan is our go-to person on taxes. Dan, are you with me? I am here, Merrill. How are you? I'm doing well. How about you? I'm very well. I'm very well. It's good to talk to you again, my friend. Of course, we're in Texas where we had power outages and people are saying, well, it gets cold here in Texas, but I think you're in Minnesota, aren't you? Yeah, I'm in Minnesota, and when uh, we, you know, we had it, the weather's actually broke nicely here now. We're in the mid-30s here today, but we had, uh, we had, um, uh, negative 20 below zero weather. In fact, it was even, it was even, uh, it was even more uh, cold than, than 20 below. But we had, uh, we had uh, that for about five days straight, and then we had below zero uh, for about a week and a half. So it, it's been doggone cold here. Well, some of that weather made it down to Texas and created a lot of problems for us. Thankfully, yeah, it has gone yeah. back up to your area and uh, maybe even back up into Canada. Yeah, I think so. Well, anyway, uh, Dan has written, I think, uh, what, 14 books now and uh, covered a range of different areas. Uh, One of his latest ones has to do with small businesses and things that they need to consider about uh, tax issues. But, Dan, before we get started on that, you have been uh, highlighting some of the issues that the IRS has in in a recent piece that you wrote for uh, uh, World National WND, I can't remember what it was or off the bat. We have World, 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 World Net, Net Daily. Daily. I, I, I drew a blank there. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you wrote a piece about your concerns about the IRS and especially with groups that are expressing their opinions. And, of course, this goes back to the Obama uh, administration where the IRS was apparently giving especially 501c3s and c4s a hard time about getting their uh, tax approval status. What's your concerns now? Well, yeah, exa- you're exactly right, Merrill. And, and in fact, this this goes way back, even before that. It goes back to the early 1970s when Richard Nixon used the Internal Revenue Service to target his political enemies. And so, what what has happened here now recently, in the wake of the January 6th uh, riot in D.C., is, is 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 leftist Democrats, Merrill, have have, have uh, undertaken to weaponize the Internal Revenue Service against conservative, freedom thinking, uh, tax exempt organizations, and the allegations. Uh, that, that was that was made by by Senator Ron Wyden of of, uh, of uh, Oregon to the Commissioner of Internal Revenue Service in a letter that Wyden wrote to the Commissioner on January the fifteenth. He makes the statement that and where he gets this information, Lord only knows, but but he makes the he makes the allegation that uh, that uh, dark, his his phrase not mine dark money coming from the Republican Party was used to finance the riots in Washington the riot singular in Washington D.C. on January the sixth 
and and he he takes the position that this money is is being funneled through uh, ta- through uh, conservative tax ex- exempt organizations, and he wants the Internal Revenue Service to actively uh, uh, target these organizations for ongoing audits and and rev- and very specifically. And the, again, these are these are very clear statements in his letter to revoke their exempt status and put them out of business. Now, the put them out of business phrase is his words, not mine, uh, Merrill. So what they want to do is this is just another step in the tr- in the in the string that we've seen here over the last probably six or seven months of active and and vociferous attacks on opposition opinions, and that's what it's all about: is silencing the opposition. Now, Dan, uh, uh, refresh my memory here, but it seems to me, if I recall correctly, back in the summer we had riots going on in various uh, cities around the country, including Portland. Uh, that would be Senator Wyden's state, it belongs in his state, uh, and there were discussions about dark money flowing around them because you had a lot of people who were doing various things, and the question was, where, where, where are these people getting this funding from? And I don't recall Senator Wyden or any other Democrat at the time saying, we need to find the, tra- the sources of this dark money because they didn't even re- uh, agree that those were riots in many cases. Yeah, you're exactly right. And of course, you point out uh, just a couple of minutes ago that I'm from Minnesota. I live in the Twin Cities area. Yes. This whole insanity, this all this insanity uh, in 2020 started on uh, what uh, uh, May the 26th, plus or minus May the 26th in Minneapolis, a four mile stretch of Lake Street, Merrill, in Minneapolis, a very uh, 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 major artery, east west artery in Minneapolis, four mile stretch burned virtually to the ground. There were about 67 or 60 buildings that did in fact burn to the ground and more than 1,500 buildings that were damaged uh, either by fire or smoke or vandalism, uh, you know, broken windows and and looted goods and, and so forth from the buildings. None of that was even called a riot, never mind questions of, of dark money coming into the Twin Cities to bring these people in and, Merrill, get them out of jail. And, and it's come to light now that Vice President uh, Harris was giving money to an organization and encouraging others to give money to an organization that was bailing these people out of jail. So why is I don't understand why that's not uh, an issue in our uh, in our news here and and, and people understanding that uh, that these riots and, uh, and we're talking about city after city that was burned and in Portland you you know you talk about that it was going on for months at a time un- unended. Where, where is the where is the scrutiny on those organizations? If I remember right, organizations I think I saw articles in the fall that Black Lives Matter and a few other organizations were just being swamped with money uh, so much they didn't know what to do with it all. Some of that was legitimate money coming from corporations and individuals and so forth, but some of it, I think, was probably what you're calling dark money, and you kind of wonder, who's who's funding this money and, and where is it coming from and, and what's the purpose behind it? Yeah, what are they doing with it? That's the question I want to know. What are they doing with the money? And, and, and you know, and I don't, you know, it's, it's, of course, at some point, Merrill, it'll it'll come to light. I mean, we know Scripture tells us that what's done in private is going to be shouted from the rooftops. So we're going to know at some point, sooner or later. But in the meantime, it's that the hypocrisy is so thick you can cut it with a knife.
<laughs> it is indeed. Well, Dan, when we come back after the break, uh, 2020 was a rough year for a number of people. Uh, they may have thought they were getting a certain amount of money coming uh, coming in, income, and they didn't get it because they were laid off or other issues there. Others had money coming in from the stimulus checks and other things of that nature. A number of businesses could, were barely able to hang on through that time, and many, many closed. Uh, we see a lot of them that have closed. And, of course, the, uh, the federal government's trying to step in and provide some extra money. So 2020 is going to be, I think, a, a, a challenging tax year for many people, both because of some did well and some did not do well at all. So when we come back from the break, I'd like you to discuss some of the issues that people are going to be facing in the tax uh, issues. Of course, last year they actually got an extension. We didn't have to do something and do that until July the 1st. I don't think they're changing that this year. But uh, get some thought to what we what the listeners need to be thinking about both individuals and small businesses that they need to be concerned about as we uh, as they prepare their income taxes. My guest for this uh, hour, Dan Pilla, an extraordinary tax uh, uh, person who has been following this for years and years and our go-to person on that. Stay with us. We'll be back with Dan Pilla in just a minute. You're listening to Point of View, your listener-supported source for truth. And we're back with our uh, guest this hour, tax expert Dan Pilla. If you want to find out more about Dan or reach out to him, you can go to his website, TaxHelpOnline.com, TaxHelpOnline.com, or you can go to Point of View. We have uh, information about uh, Dan there, plus a uh, link to his website so you can find out more or reach out to him uh, either going directly to his website or going to Point of View and finding a link to that website. Well, Dan, what uh, what should we be thinking about as taxes are rolling around this year? Well, I think the first thing that people need to understand, uh, Merrill, and this is this is especially true for 2020 income, uh, but it's been true for for you know as long as I've been in this business, and that is this: people commonly make the mistake of believing that their unemployment compensation is not taxable income, mm. and that's just absolutely not true. It's very it's important ordinary. Point. Yeah, it's ordinary income. It's treated just like any other wage income. And so now we've got massive numbers of people across the country that were getting pretty big unemployment checks here for for a good long time during 2020. And some are still getting these checks, Merrill, as you well know. And so what's going to happen is now, okay, so you get these unemployment checks. And this is particularly true for folks that... Uh, that uh, uh, whose unemployment compensation is is a fraction of what their regular. So let's say you were making five or six grand a month, but your unemployment's only three grand a month. Well, okay, uh, the three grand a month obviously is probably not enough to pay your bills if you're living on five grand a month, right? Mm-hmm. And so now, did those people set aside a portion of that money to pay their taxes? I, I, I know what the answer is. I'm sure you do, too, is that the vast, overwhelming majority of people do not set money aside from their unemployment compensation to pay taxes because they need the money to live on. And so now we're going to have seri- a serious uh, rise, in my opinion, a serious increase in the number of people that owe money to the IRS uh, come April. And, and it's going to be a, it's going to be a problem. It's a very good point. I was not aware of that. And, of course, you have unemployment, but you also had the money that was coming out in the stimulus checks, the $1,200, I believe it was, early on. They've uh, passed, uh, Congress has passed some more money to come out. Was that stimulus check, is that taxable? Yeah, that's a good question, too, Merrill, and there's a great deal of confusion on that as well. 
And the, the confusion on that is the opposite. <laughs> people think the stimulus. I, I don't know. I don't know how this happens, but people people think the stimulus check is taxable, and they think the unemployment is not taxable. The opposite's true. Unemployment compensation is taxable as income. The stimulus check is not. The stimulus check, Merrill, was a a prepaid tax credit. All right. So it shows up on your tax return as a credit, as if somebody else is paying your taxes for you. So it's not it's not income at all in the traditional sense. It's a tax credit. It just so happened that the tax credit was prepaid in the form of a check mailed out by the federal government starting last year. And as you point out, uh, you know, a second round that was authorized in December that started coming out end of December into January. And and now, you know, who knows if there's going to be a third round. Of course, they're talking about that now as well. Uh, But these are tax credits, so they are not taxable income. All right. Now, the the PPP, the Paycheck Protection Program uh, sent sent, uh, thousands of businesses applied, mostly small, but there were larger businesses as well, uh, applied for these, and they got money. Is that considered income for a business? Yeah, that's a good question, too, Merrill, because there was a lot of confusion about that as well. These Paycheck Protection Program loans are not considered income. All right, so it's a loan on the front end. So a loan, Merrill, where you, whether you get it from the Small Business Administration through the form of a government-guaranteed loan or you get it from, you know, the ABC Bank or you get it from your brother-in-law, it doesn't make any difference. The the uh, loan proceed, uh, proceeds are never considered income. All right, now, in in however, uh, under normal circumstances, when you pay back a loan, the payment of the principal is not a deduction. The interest is, but the payment of principal is not. And under normal circumstances, if you don't repay the loan and the loan gets canceled or forgiven, then the difference between what you borrowed and what you paid back is considered income because now you didn't pay the loan back. So now it is considered income. The Paycheck Protection Program changes all of that, right? So it's not it's not income on the front end, but you, if you get forgiveness of the loan, you don't have to call that debt forgiveness income. So not only do you, do you not pay taxes on the front end when you get the loan, you don't pay taxes on the back end when the loan is forgiven. And moreover, <laughs> the, the business expenses that you pay with the money continue to be tax deductible. So in every way, shape, and form, Merrill, a paycheck protection program loan is free money to the business as long as, and this is important, as long as the business uses the money as authorized by law. So let's say I'm a small business and I've tried to stay in business, but the lockdowns and other things created so many problems for me, I'm just going, I had to shut my business down. So I I paid some employees and maybe I gave them some extra money, uh, but I've got to shut my business business down. Is there anything there that's different about just a standard foreclosure for a company in in any year that wasn't able to make it, but now from this past year, if a, a lot of businesses closed, is there anything different about that? Anything, anything you can, any advice you can give them? Well, in the context of a paycheck protection program loan, Merrill, I would say if a business is on the threshold of shutting down, make sure you use the money as authorized by law. Sixty percent of it has got to be used for employees, for payroll costs, 
Sixty percent of the money uh, has to go in that direction, and then the the rest of the forty percent can use uh, can be used in a number of different ways, such as for interest on loans or rent on business equipment or facilities, utilities, operation expenses, some property damage costs. You know, there's about eight or nine different categories where the money can be used. So understand that if you got P, uh, PPP money left over, use it for 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 those areas only, so that if your business doesn't close, you don't get stuck with having to repay the loan back. So that that's the most important. Well, that's 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 an important thing. Another very important thing, and this is true whether your business is 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 in trouble because of COVID or for any other reason. You got to make absolutely sure, Merrill, that you're dealing uh, that 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 you're paying your employment taxes, the trust fund taxes on wages paid to employees has to be paid to the IRS. This is this is where business owners get blindsided. This is a, I talk about this in a couple of different chapters in my book. Dan Phillips Small Business Tax Guide because it is such a common problem. And that is businesses that shut down owing trust fund money to the IRS. These business owners, Merrill, find out the hard way that that liability can be assessed against the business owner personally, right? The IRS can pierce through a corporate veil, for example, or an LLC or a partnership. They can reach through all of that and assess these tax liabilities against the owners personally, and they can chase the money from their personal assets, such as their retirement funds or their automobiles or their, their wage income stream from their, from their job, whatever it may be. So we've had, we had a number of people who lost their jobs. Uh, what We've got about two and a half minutes left here in this segment. If I went in to borrow money from my IRA or 401k, and I'm not 59 and a half, so I don't have, I can't, I don't get that uh, tax-free break there from the from the government. What do I need to be thinking about if I had to borrow money from my IRA? Yeah, a couple of things. First of all, the uh, the uh, um, payback. Or the role, I should say, the rollover period it was was changed um, was changed by the CARES Act. Right, that was the law that was passed uh, back in March of 2020. So coming up on a year now on the CARES Act, and so there was there was a lot of changes that were made to the payback rules. So you need to keep that in mind uh, that that the taxes are deferred for a period of time if you don't pay the IRS uh, the IRA back. So that's another thing to consider. And then of course the uh, the penalties have been uh, have been waived in certain in certain cases as well. So so what you need to do with that situation is, is before you take any money out of your IRA or your 401k, sit down with your financial person to make sure that you are understanding what the rules are for paying back the money or incurring the tax liability in the period of time you have to pay the tax liability if you don't plan to pay it back. Uh, Dan, we didn't have we don't have much time left, but just take about 30 seconds to discuss any tax uh, increase concerns you have from the Democrats. <clears throat> Well, I'll just bullet point a couple of things here, Merrill. First of all, they want to eliminate the entire, repeal the entire Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, which is going to compound businesses heavily because we will lose the deduction for qualified business income. They yes. want to make massive changes to the real estate tax rules, Merrill, that are going to increase capital gains taxes and eliminate deductions for real estate investors. It's not going to be a pretty sight, in my opinion. I agree with you there. I, I, I think it's going to be hard for them to get it through, but you never want to underestimate their ability to be able to pass a tax hike. Yeah, no question about that. Thank you, Dan Pilla. My guest this hour has been Dan Pilla, tax expert. If you want to find out more about Dan, you can go to his website, taxhelponline.com, or you can go to pointofview.net. Dan, thank you so much. My pleasure, Merrill. Thanks for having me. 